Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. Well, good afternoon, Catherine. How are you? I'm great, Christy. How are you doing? I cannot complain. Not one bit. So beautiful day in Emporia today. How about there? You know, we're having another tropical storm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think the whole entire universe is like 2020. Let's just party it all the way out. <laughs> I know we're getting the very outer band. So it's not like last time where uh, like a lot of trees and stuff went down and a lot of people lost power, but I was out walking the dog and like, because it gets super humid as those come in, it was just like, I was uh, so angry. I was like, it is November 11th. Well, it was 27 degrees here when I went for my run this morning. So, oh yeah, I would not, I would stay in bed. Uh, I, it's so funny because I was telling Tim, I was like running in the cold is so different than riding my bike in the cold. Like I look forward to like running, you heat up immediately if you know. Yeah. And riding your, it would have taken me an hour to get warm if I'd been riding. So. Oh yeah. I, I definitely have a threshold. I mean, once I stopped doing triathlon, I was like, there's a threshold and I will not go out to ride my bike. And because in Georgia, like in the winter, even uh, unless you get like our super cold few weeks of riding when I'm like, we can ride outside all year. Like I'm riding inside when it's that cold. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you wait until 10 or 11, it's going to be in the forties. Um, but the first year, the year I trained for Ironman, so it was the second year I lived here and the second year, um, that I really started riding, like seriously riding a bike was the year that we like got hit by two massive snowstorms. And (laughs) I was training for an Ironman. I was new to cycling. I was terrified that I would miss a single workout. And so I was, I rode so many times and like. 27 degrees. I'm like, never again. <laughs> Not worth it. Not doing it ever again. So I just, I've, I'm still cold from that. That was <laughs> just thinking about it nine years ago. 
That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, um, I've been doing a lot more trail running these days, just time-wise on the weekends and stuff, which I really love. And my bike is down on the trainer already. So if it's a nice day, it's like, hmm, inside, outside, outside. And I don't want to, I'm too lazy to pull my bike off there. So I have taken the mountain bike out a couple of times, but um, yeah, the gravel. always that cold in Kansas this time of year? Um, It's been kind of going on. We've had like beautiful weather the last week. And, And today, I mean, it was 57 and sunny this afternoon. So it wasn't, it just started off really cold and you know, you know, I mean, your days are the such where you, I have to do my workouts typically in the morning if I want to be guaranteed that I get them in because you know, your day blows up. So I do have a practice of setting appointments for myself. So on Sundays, I usually look at my calendar and put my, when I want to work out on the calendar, like block it off as an appointment. So I don't schedule over myself. Um, and a lot of times I'll look at what the weather looks like. I was just, I, I am, I'm coaching my first victim. Um, <laughs> what, what is that? <laughs> Treva Whirl, our, um, athlete service manager for, um, Unbound Gravel and Big Sugar and several other events was just needing some more structure. And I said, if you'll, uh, listen to me, I'll, I'll coach you. So. I was get, she'd missed a workout and I was giving her that she's like, well, I, I just missed it in the morning. And then my day, da, 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 you know, all of the excuses. And I was like, you need to set appointments for yourself. It's that important. You know, taking time for yourself is important. So schedule it if you have to. So that's Sorry, I'm- somehow I'm on two group texts right now. So if you're hearing dings come in, I'm trying to mute them. You're super popular. <laughs> Nobody texts me all day until like we get on the podcast and then I'm getting well, like maybe they knew who we had as our guests and they're super <laughs> excited about that. <laughs> I know everybody was super excited about it. I was super excited about it. Uh, we had, okay. I'm not trying their last names again. Cause I said it correctly <laughs> for the podcast. And so you can hear it when we get to the interview, but, uh, two women that I had connected with just through girls gone gravel, they reached out to me and they're doing some really cool things as far as curating routes specifically with women in mind. Um, yeah. So it was Rose and Laura out of Denver, Colorado. And um, it was a really fun conversation with them. Yeah. They take us through their gravel bike adventures. Yeah. And I love, they were like, we don't really, we don't like to race. Like at one point, Laura goes, I like to go ride so I can be like out by myself. Why would I want to do it with 3000 other people? (laughs) And so I love that because not everybody's into racing. Um, and we definitely don't want to come across as like, this is just for racing or anything. So, um, so it was a lot of fun to talk to them. So we will get on with our interview with Laura and Rose and get you off my text message stream. Hey, Catherine, I'm so excited that Gooders Come On is one of our sponsors. I know we love Gooder sunglasses because they come in so many fun colors and sassy fun names. Like I got Lance's afternoon uppers. And I got rosé before (laughs) brosé. They're really fun. And they're also performance sunglasses. So they're no slip, no bounce, and polarized. They start at a ridiculously low price of $25 a pair. (laughs) Which means that Gooder is generously offering our listeners nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. You do not need a discount when you already have the most affordable performance shades on the planet. 
So go to gooder.com slash feisty and that's G-O-O-D-R.com slash feisty now. These glasses even look good with mud on them. They do. <laughs> Christy, do you know we have a new podcast sponsor? Did you get your gear yet? I did. I was so excited. Val Corva showed up the other day and I, um, I'm i in love. <laughs> I think I have my new very favorite shorts, both for working out, walking my dog, and like posts a long ride. Yeah, totally. That Well, and I got that green. Did you get the green? You didn't get the green. I, I got, got the green. I got like an eggplant color. They're fantastic. I'm sorry. My green ones are better than your eggplant. (laughs) Well, I really love the fun colors and all the fun patterns. I got really fun pants as well. And I love, this is my favorite thing. They have a pocket. I know. Every pair of pants. So like after a ride, slide them on, put my cell phone in the pocket. It's amazing. Yep. They work perfect. And they're, they are the, the shorts are the right length. My three quarter length tights. They're obviously, they're an awesome link, but they're super fun. I got the black and white stripe and they're, they're really cute. So I'm so stoked. And the quality is, uh, yeah, I was stoked. And they're incredibly affordable. I know. We are very excited to have Belcorva as a new sponsor to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. You can go over to belcorva.com to pick up your fun new tights or shorts. Get the green ones. Well, welcome to another episode of the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. I'm here with Christy. Hey, Catherine. Hi. And we have two very special guests this time. We have Rose Barklow and Laura Karpinski. Did I get it? Did I say yeah. that? Yep. <laughs> well done. Thank you. So out of Denver, Colorado, that's where you ladies are, right? Yep. That's right. Awesome. Well, we're so glad you all are here. I connected with you all uh, because you have um, an awesome blog where you curate routes for people to follow. So you reached out, I guess, when I had started Girls Gone Gravel and asked if I wanted to submit a route. And I'm like, yeah, there's like one around here that we all ride. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I've noticed you've been really growing your gravel routes. And so um, I thought that was a really fun and would love to hear, well, for other people to get to know you and how you started all of this, but also uh, we'll get to the end, how people can even uh, connect you with more awesome routes. But um, to get started, why don't you all tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into cycling? I don't, whoever wants to start. Yeah, I can start. This is Rose. Um, and so, yeah, I actually started cycling actually pretty young. So um, I played division one soccer and had a career ending back injury. And so, you know, all these doctors were telling me, you know, you can never run again. And so I was like, you know, still very competitive, very young, needed an outlet for my energy. And I said, okay, what can I do that isn't running? And so I picked up road cycling probably when I was about 19 um, and was able to um, do a ton of road racing at that time. I I rode for Title IX up in um, the Boulder store here in in Boulder, Colorado, and just had a ton of fun kind of entering into the the racing cycling world in my early 20s. 
and then realized that I wasn't going to make any money and uh, decided to actually get, get a real job. Um, and at that point, it, you know, the women's racing scene was very small. You know, I started as a cat three, which is, you know, I think now you started a cat five, uh, but there just weren't that many women at that time. Um, and so I've been, you know, I'm going to turn 40 this year. And so it's been about 20 years of cycling for me. Um, and over the past, probably, I would say five years, Denver has grown exponentially. We have legalized marijuana and we have a lot of people on cell phones. Mm -hmm. And so road cycling has felt a little bit more precarious. And so, um, Laura and I kind of had heard about this gravel biking thing. And so we decided to buy some bikes and just check it out. And we fell in love immediately just with the um, the ability to kind of still get those long miles in that you really enjoy as a road cyclist, but away from cars, feeling a lot more safe. And then something unexpected for us was that added sense of adventure and kind of exploration and um, unknown. Um, and I think Laura and I talk all the time about how road cycling is a pretty type A, very intense group of people in general. Um, and gravel cycling really feels like um, a community that's a little bit more relaxed, likes to enjoy a beer afterwards. Um, and we enjoy how gravel biking actually slows us down. Um, and so that's kind of my, my personal journey into from road biking to gravel biking to where we are today. Um, yeah, my story is that um, I was a ballet dancer for years from the time I was very small until my kind of later 20s. Um, and when I quit dancing, I, um, I probably spent a whole year actually sitting on the couch. <laughs> I got very depressed and realized I needed to move my body. And, um, cycling was one of the things that I picked up and just, just fell in love with it. And, um, I never really raced. I just, um, just started doing more and more adventurous things. Um, and I, I think, uh, at the very beginning I struggled with asthma um, and I didn't, I didn't feel like I could push myself and it was definitely through, um, cycling and just kind of, uh, increasing my cardiovascular ability that I just became more and more adventurous and, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now she does, you know, 75 miles, like it's nothing. <laughs> I think Laura's our first ballet dancer. What? <laughs> I don't think we've had a ballet dancer. We've had other soccer players. Sorry, Rose. You're, you yeah. <laughs> our, our soccer thighs are definitely great for cycling. Yes. <laughs> and tough on jeans. Um, yes, yes. Um, when you guys, I mean, you talked about going from, from road to gravel, and obviously, like, that's kind of where my passion lies for the exact same reasons. Um, when you start looking at, I think cell phone and cars become a super big concern. Um, what else do you find that the gravel gives you that, that the road doesn't? I think we, I mean, we really talk all the time about it slows us down. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, um, we're not, you know, I readily admit when I rode bike, you know, I look at the, my speed, I look at how fat, how fast I'm averaging, you know, I'm a little, I can become a little obsessive with that when I'm road, when I'm gravel biking, I don't, I honestly don't even look at that stuff. I'm really just enjoying it, enjoying the scenery, um, enjoying the company. And I think it also, um, allows for more community. 
you know, I think, you know, when you're, when you're road biking, you know, you're on a, you know, tight shoulder, you can't really talk with people around you, but when you are on a gravel road, you can really have a larger group and community that you can bike with. Um, and so I think slowing down and community are the two things that I really love about gravel biking. Yeah, for me, I think it's um, the kind of extraordinary places it's allowed us to go. Um, you know, there's some amazing road bikes that you can do, but this gets you off such uh, the beaten path. Um, yeah, it's just really spectacular, the nature and the animals that we see. Um, and for me also, I think it's the, uh, the difference is like the, the stretch. Um, it really challenges me in different ways. Um, I can get on my road bike and not think about anything, um, but when I'm gravel biking, um, I really have to stay focused and there's lots of moments where I'm scared. Um, and I really have to kind of confront myself in different ways that um, really don't happen that much for me in road biking. Yeah, that's same for me. And it was funny, Rose, when you were talking about uh, slowing down and like the different attitude in uh, gravel biking. So I came, came from a triathlon background. <laughs> and every time I go ride with like a triathlon friend that just got a gravel bike, I'm like, listen, we do not pull out of the parking lot exactly when we say we're going to <laughs> We have some coffee and people are going to be late. And so just be prepared to deal with it. And we're going to stop and we're going to look for goats and take pictures. Okay. <laughs> so I have to like prepare people. Cause I was so used to, if you're late, the group ride is pulling out without you and they don't care. And if you're not in your pace group, like it's all over for the day. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we, it took us a while to, to understand that we have to double the amount of time um, to do a gravel ride versus a road ride. You know, if we can do, you know, 20 miles in X amount of time on a gravel bike, we got to double it. Um, just because, I mean, it's just so much harder. Like you don't think that riding on a gravel road is really going to slow you down, but it really does. I literally think our second gravel ride, I plotted a route that was like 75 miles thinking like, oh, it's just, you know, like we do this all the time on the road. And we got halfway out there, not even. We were just like, oh my God, this is so hard. Like the wind was blowing and it was, you know, uphill. And yeah, the rude awakening. I love that. <laughs> Christy's laughing because she's like, yeah, I see this all, all the time. <laughs> well, I'm in an area where there are literally like two or three road paved roads you could ride on. Mm. You wouldn't even want to do that because they're just so dangerous. I mean, they've gotten worse in the last 20 years for sure. So, but I'm also within five minutes of my house, I'm on access to thousands of gravel roads. So it's like wow. different, it's just a different mindset, you know, mm -hmm. like you ride what, what's available. And that was like the other question is like living in Denver to get to gravel, are you guys riding to it or do you load your bikes up or what does that look like? Cause that's, you know, for somebody in the Midwest, that's a little bit different. Yeah, no, in, I mean, there's like maybe two or three rides you can do from Denver, but it, the majority of the time we're driving between like 30 minutes to an hour to get to the really good gravel. I mean, Colorado is, is beautiful, you know, and, and our, the, scenery and everywhere you go you it's just like breathtaking you know in our blog we're constantly like 
And again, great, great views of the mountains, you know, like over and over again. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, like from the city, you really have to drive about 30, 45 minutes. Or biking, I mean, you, you can get to gravel roads out here, but it's like a 20 minute bike before you hit the gravel. <laughs> yeah, Just that's the same in Atlanta. It's like the closest mm -hmm. is about a 35 minute drive. You so, plan mm -hmm. these around like um, cafes or bars. Or <laughs> 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 you know, that I'd be kind of like, okay, there's a cool cafe up there, a restaurant I want to go check out, start in, you know, like. How does that play into your route planning? Yeah, I mean, I think this year has definitely been very different with COVID, you know, and, you know, actually re realizing that on like a 50, 75 mile route, we're probably not going to have access to anything. Um, but we generally, um, how do we plan our routes? I, I, I mean, so many of the routes that we have are quite remote. So besides kind of like right where you start, there isn't, anything. <laughs> um, some of the rides like around Boulder, obviously, um, there's great restaurants, cafes, breweries and such. Um, but yeah, I guess, uh, I think we, I think I would say in Colorado, we plan our routes around the mountain passes that we want to climb. Yeah. You know, I mean, just when you have so much, like so many mountains and passes to cover, we're kind of like, oh, let's, Go to that region of Colorado and especially with the, like winter and spring and fall there's different regions in our state that you can do at different times of the year so it's kind of like okay in the spring we can do the foothills in the summer we can go further out and do the Rocky Mountains in the winter we can do the farmland um, and so we really have to think about weather and think about how strong our legs are that day to do the type of elevation yeah. gain that we see here um, I mean we have to look really hard to find a route that's not 3,000 feet of elevation, you know, I mean, it's, we're generally looking at really high elevation. Yeah, I think a lot of times when we bike, we park and it's remote, like we're the only car in the, like, can you call this a parking lot? It's kind of like just the side of the road. And then like, we might see like five vehicles, <laughs> you know, like that's our ideal ride actually. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of times we're just out there where there's nothing. Nice. I'm just curious. I don't know if you covered this when you were talking about how you got into cycling, but how did you all meet? Like, well, I know you didn't cover this then, but did you all meet through cycling or did you meet? How did you meet? Tell us the story. We, well, a new term I just heard, uh, Catherine, it's called we met in the wild. So we met, <laughs> we did not meet online. We met uh, through, through cycling, actually. There's a, a group out here uh, that focuses on um, getting uh, people who identify as LGBTQ. Um, if there's kind of a cycling team called Outspoken. And so we were both part of that club and we met that way. And then um, the rest is history. Okay. So you did meet through cycling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so fun. And how long have you all been together? Uh, three years. Mm -hmm. Three years. Okay. So gravel cycling is pretty new then for y'all because Laura, you were talking mm -hmm. about the first route or the second ride you all went on together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We did it about, about three years. I mean, it's probably like more like two and a half, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the real, the reason we started our blog is because, which has these curated routes that we're probably up to about 75 now, is that as we started gravel biking, we really recognized kind of the dangers that existed in being so remote um, and really being road cyclists and not having a lot of uh, mountain bike skill. Um, we were really nervous when we kind of would, would make a route of like what terrain were we kind of encountering 
And we also don't have a lot of mechanical skills in our bikes. And so we were like, wow, like gravel biking is really fun, but it also feels like we need to have a lot more preparation before we go out there. And we, there were, you know, a couple of different sites that provided some kind of information on gravel roads, but we were like, we really would love to have some more details of like, is there a bathroom when you start? I don't know. Maybe it's just women. That's, like, that's really important <laughs> to know if there's like a bathroom at the start. Um, and then kind of, are there cafes on the way? What terrain are we getting into? Um, you know, what are some of the highs and the lows? And so that's kind of how we started creating our site. And then also realizing that um, it can be really intimidating for a woman to, to get out into gravel um, specifically. So we really wanted to cater our, um, our site for women um, so they could say like, wow, these two women who, you know, are just enjoy the outdoors we can be like them we can kind of try out gravel biking as well and and we really would love to see kind of the biking um, community kind of flipped on its head you know here in Colorado we it's still probably 80 to 20 80 percent male bikers and 20 percent women and you know that's way better than it was but it's still really dominated by men and so um, and there's very few things that are curated by women, you know, and so to have a blog and, and routes that are made by women for whomever wants them, I think is really unique versus everything that we found have been routes curated by men. And so that was like a real niche that we were kind of like, we really think it would be helpful for women to see other women creating routes, riding them and reviewing them. Well, and it's crazy because just looking, you know, I'm sitting here scrolling through your website and all of your routes, which is phenomenal. Um, and I just signed up for your email list <laughs> and you should too. Um, but, um, I've been like, I get people that will email me asking for routes in Kansas, you know, um, and it's always women that are asking and, and even in, not just in the Emporia area, but outside of it as well, because, you know, I've, I've explored a lot of this. So, you know, I, it's a great idea and it's, I mean, I think we should really be able to help you kind of curate that list a little bit more. Probably. Yeah, we're, we're kind of, we're, that's kind of our step this winter is to go beyond Colorado. And so we've started asking, like Catherine said, we asked for some routes in Georgia. Um, we just got a couple of routes in New Mexico. We have some in California. And so we're really trying to create a website where anybody can, we have a, there's a link on our website where you can add your route um, and it just goes to a form and then we'll eventually get it up on our, on our website. And so we really want this, our website to be this hub where women can find routes. And again, we have hopefully a really simple system of, you know, here's how difficult it was, here's how much we enjoyed it and um, what to look for. Um, just to, again, lessen that anxiety that one might have um, to get out and get into gravel. Yeah, I think that's huge. I had done a, um, a session there used to be something that was kind of in the mountain bike space was women and mountain biking. And this woman was doing a forum. I'm doing a terrible job remembering the name of it uh, or what it was, but she, one of the things that they learned through that is when women hear about routes, they want to like, their question is, can I do this? Like, am mm -hmm. I going to be able to complete it? And so just an elevation chart doesn't really tell you anything about it. And there have definitely been some routes that I've gotten out on. And I've been like, that was above my skill level. Like there were some parts of that that were above my skill level. And I'm glad I have my teeth at the end of it. <laughs> I was glad I did it because I learned, but I just mentally was not prepared. Yeah. I think maybe one of our third routes that we did, 
um, we kind of got in over our head. We were on a road that was incredibly steep and really chunky. And we had to walk for probably like close to a mile. And we were really close to like hitching a ride. <clears throat> and that's when we were like, oh, we need to like be able to tell people like there's different type of gravel, <laughs> you know, like it's not all just smooth dirt roads and uh, that makes a huge difference. And I think for us who have been in the cycling community for a really long time, like we know what Strava is, we know what a Wahoo or a Garmin is, like we know what an elevation profile is, but there are so many women who are just getting into biking that like, that all of that is foreign to them. You know, we get a lot of women emailing us being like, Hey, what do you think about this or that, or this bike, or what do I need to get out there? And, and so I think we it's so easy for us to forget uh, that there are tons of women who like are really at the beginning stages of getting into biking and that they really need, you know, some assistance to really feel confident out there. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's one of the things I noticed even I was doing an event here in Georgia. It got canceled in the spring, but the, the race organizer, and I, I know this isn't focused on racing, but he was like, well, women don't come to the races. I'm like, it's because you're not creating a space for the women to come for the races. So I was like, let's, we're going to do a training group. And it's not about racing. It's about like just having a challenge on your calendar. If you want to race, you can race, but we're going to, and at the point before it got canceled for COVID, they had more women signed up than men. And wow. it was like, wow. offering a space for women, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I know like we're talking about racing, but you're, you're very passionate about creating a space for people that maybe aren't interested in that part of the sport. Tell us a little bit more about that. Um, well, for me, just in general, gravel, um, like I think racing is awesome, but it's also like slightly confusing for me <laughs> that to me, getting out there where it's quiet and there's very few people is what I love about it. So then to put like 3000 people on that same like route is almost like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's so strange. <laughs> yeah. And I think like, I mean, Colorado is so intense. I mean, that like there are such intense bikers here um, that I, we have heard over and over and over again that it is so intimidating for people in Colorado to get into biking because it's either all or nothing, right? Like either I, I ride a beach cruiser to a bar or like I'm a, you know, Ironman athlete, right? Like there's just no in between in Colorado. And so we really felt that it was important to cultivate a space for that in between, for that, that gray area, that middle ground where someone who is just starting on their biking kind of, you know, adventures, um, can feel like they have the skills and the tools and the resources and support. Someone who's almost ready to, you know, to get into gravel racing can also feel like they get some resources and support. And so we really felt passionate that um, we encourage women wherever they are on the spectrum to like contact us, to get involved, to be part of our community and not just people kind of on this one end of the spectrum. Um, I think we have felt that often in the bike community, like you're trying to get to know somebody and suddenly we're talking about like, I don't know, brakes and gearing and shifting. And, I, and sometimes I really want to get to know the person more than the bike. And I find that it's when you have a wide range of people with different abilities, you get to kind of delve more into who they are and not just what they want to race. Um, and we really enjoy having a community that is, um, 
we're both we're athletes and we're bikers and we're badass and we also want to connect and um for like a greater good i think your timing is so good too with with covid (laughs) (laughs) there's a there's a whole part of you know with with basically the race the the gravel racing all but being canceled for 2020 um it's given people that again like given them the permission to be like i can do it in other ways i don't have to do it mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be through a race and you know of course i'm obviously i'm passionate about the racing side of it but i also very much love the the community aspect of it and this concept of of creating and sharing routes and and growing that community is is just so needed and it's just such a great way to connect yeah and i think um uh, what was I, you said something brilliant and I, I lost it. Um, but um, I did, I did want to mention that like we, oh, oh, that I think we're really big on inclusivity and Catherine just mentioned like kind of um, how can racing events be more inclusive of all levels and all abilities and all genders. And I think, um, you know, I have always worked in the nonprofit field. Laura's a Pilates teacher. And so like, we're not, you know, we don't have that much money. <laughs> and so when we look at racing, racing is really expensive. Mm-hmm. So I think we, and bikes are really expensive and, you know, gear is really expensive. And so part of that, like, how do we make the cycling community inclusive of everybody? I think means that we really have to make sure that it's not just about who's the fastest, who has the best gear, but like, how can we all participate in this in a way that feels really meaningful for everybody? Yep. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And it's so interesting because I've been having some issues with my hip and I, um, because I worked as a trainer for a long time, I used to get like, have a physical therapist that would like give me a really good deal because I sent so many people to him (laughs) and like he moved. And then my other physical therapist moved and, uh, and I'm like, oh my gosh, when you have to pay full price for these things, like I'm, I mean, I make a decent salary, but I'm like, Cycling real, you know, like we say, oh, we just get a bike and ride, but there really can be so many barriers to sport um, and to healthy sport. And it's just, I mean, it's a shame to say, like, it's kind of eye-opening to me even right now to see that uh, just because I've been in a situation where I've like, you know, had these like little side deals in the past. Um, and I'm like, this shouldn't be this way, you know? Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Um, I know we, um, we've been, uh, we're partnering with an organization in Boulder called Women's Wilderness to do a spring gravel camp, hopefully if COVID gets a little bit under control. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we're, um, that organization's goal is to get more women outdoors. And, you know, we have a similar goal just kind of with biking. And um, we have kind of partnered to think about different workshops we can have around skill building um, on like descending and then mechanical, but then we're also including like outdoor survival skills for women and and women's leadership and maybe some social justice, you know, conversations. Um, And so cultivating community that can think beyond biking um, and is really inclusive of all, everybody. Um, And then we also are, are deciding to do a sliding scale you know, um, we looked at a bunch of like kind of camp-like activities and we were blown away with the costs of some of them. And and, um, and I was just like, a lot of people that's not accessible, you know? And so how do we create a system where anybody who wants this to be um, 
an opportunity for them, for their mental health, for their physical health? Um, how can we make sure that we provide spaces for everybody? The million dollar question. Yeah, yeah, it's not easy for sure. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to think like, how do we like 3D print bikes or something to make it cheaper? I, you know, I think, uh, and with, I, especially in the gravel space, I do think that you can pretty much approach it with just about any bike, relatively speaking. I mean, yeah. um, depending on, you know, if you stick to pretty tame gravel, even a road bike will work. It yeah. just becomes the level of comfort. And, you know, I, I think that's always my biggest fear is if somebody comes at it without the proper equipment, then they don't have the experience and then they think it sucks. And I'm like, no, this mm -hmm. actually doesn't suck. You just don't have the right equipment. And getting that, that access is just, is huge um, because it is an expensive sport. So it's always, yeah. you know, with the bike shop here that my husband is a part owner in, it's always, you know, grappling with that. Like, how do you, how do you broach that? So, mm -hmm. yeah. I might've yeah. shared this. I can't remember if I shared it on the podcast last week because it's all a blur, but we did that bike sell in Atlanta for Bearings Bike Shop, the spike gear. Cause I was like, everybody has gear in their garage they're getting rid of. So people donated in like tons and tons of really good gear. And, you know, it was to benefit a local nonprofit, but it was really cool because at the end of the day, this guy came in and he was like the, exactly the person I was thinking of. He like had, I mean, arm loads of things like bibs and jerseys and a pair of shoes. And like, you know, he was looking, trying to find the cleats that matched. He was looking at wheels. And he said, you know, I just got into cycling. I don't have a very good bike. It's really expensive. And he like walks out with this giant bag of stuff. He's like, this costs the same amount as one pair of shorts, That's awesome. <laughs> you know? And so I think there are probably creative ways that we can create more inclusivity too. Um, you know, maybe that was a lot of work to organize, but sorry, go ahead. Next branch of their blog is <laughs> yeah. Yeah. a swap, a gear swap sale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I think one piece of the inclusivity is is just. Uh, I think we look intimidating when we have our spandex on and our helmets and our awesome, you know, glasses that cover our whole faces and like, like when we're all geared up, like people are like a little like whoa, like they're intense. And I think just part of it is. I'm trying to be super friendly when I'm out there, you know, of just like saying hi to, you know, waving my hand and just making sure people know that even though we look really cool in all our spandex, like we actually are very welcoming and, and you don't have to have all that gear to be part of this community. So I think it's on us as cyclists to also like make sure we're communicating that like, you know, if you roll, roll up in like some jean shorts, like you might not be the most comfortable, but like have at it. <laughs> yeah. I, we used to do a beginner group ride when we could do COVID that was like super beginner. It was, it was literally eight miles and it started and ended at a brewery and it was flat, but I would always show up in my uh, like pink workout bottoms and like not cycling bottoms, mm -hmm. just my pink workout bottoms and my, um, and a sweatshirt just because of that very reason. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I still had my like shoes and stuff, but you know, I was like, I don't want to look like I'm doing this eight mile ride in my spandex <laughs> <laughs> and it was comfortable because workout bottoms are not made for gravel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know that we always struggle with, cause I think in Colorado, there's a, we're a little skewed on difficulty, you know? Um, and so when we're rating our routes, you know, of like, we have like a, a mountain scale one to five mountains and 
we're always a little nervous that our idea of what's difficult and, and somebody else's idea from Kansas or something, idea of what's difficult is, it might be very different. And so it is. Yeah, they are. <laughs> very hard. Yeah. I mean, we always get it when people come to do Unbound Gravel, they are like from Colorado, they're like, oh, I've done Leadville. I will have no problem. I'm like, oh yeah, no, they're not the same. Yeah, like, yeah. They're not the same. And, mm -hmm. you know, this event here is death by a thousand paper cuts. It's like <laughs> wind and elements. And, you know, of course, Leadville is tough in its own way. You've got those big climbs, but then you have the big descents and, mm -hmm. um, so I think it's that that aspect of it is is a difficult scale to compare. But yeah, I mean that's a, that's definitely a task. Is I don't dig going and doing a big climb and then descending. I'm like, I did all my workout and now I'm just descending. Like I could get off the bike now. This isn't a workout. <laughs> right. I agree. I, I would rather go uphill any day than down. Yeah, I love going uphill. Um, usually. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. I, think the, I think the one thing you know this you know is a little personal but I think the one thing about gravel biking is at least for Laura and I it like we cry a lot when we're gravel biking <laughs> it just it's not it's different than road biking in the sense maybe because it's you know you're really mentally and physically engaged in something and then I feel like it allows me a space for whatever stress that I have from work or whatever. I like, it, it like hits me in that moment of all, I'm like, you know, 10% grade hill. And I'm like, ah, oh, like, why am I crying at this moment? But it, it's, it's, hard. <laughs> it's like the hardness of gravel biking actually also helps me deal with, you know, life's challenges as well. And so we laugh now at how often we cry on the bike. You don't think you're the only ones. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure I've cried because I've been mad before that I'm like, why is there another effing hill right there? <laughs> that is not what is on the elevation chart. <laughs> Those things are not trustworthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the one, um, I don't know if you guys ever used, um, I think Strava and Ride with GPS are trying to kind of add some elements of mapping around, hey, we think this is unpaved, you know, but we actually have struggled this summer because um, they're not distinguishing between like a road and a trail and a mountain biking trail. And so we've gotten pretty uh, confused and we've mapped some routes and some rides that we ended up on some mountain bike trails that we didn't know how to ride and mm -hmm. had to kind of bail. And so it's, it's I think, again, another benefit of a, a website that has these like curated routes that have been reviewed is that, um, you know, although I think mapping software is, is getting better, I think it still is not quite where we need it to be to really trust mm -hmm. what you're getting into. Yeah, well, that satellite like that's what I use when I get into those areas, I'll put it on the satellite view and then be like, that looks like a trail. Not <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it also doesn't tell you those things that I think are important, especially if you're new or if you're exploring a new area as a woman of where do I park? Yeah. Is there a place to go to the bathroom? Is there a store to stop at to, to refuel? is there like something I really don't want to miss that if I go just down this road to the right, I'm going to see something really cool. So I should take that little break, you know, like 
don't ride this after it rained really hard because yeah. it's going to be miserable. So it doesn't tell you all those things that I think just make your experience so much better and make you more comfortable. And I ride alone a good bit. And when I, it's hard for me to choose a new route. Well, I won't choose a new route unless I know a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, I, I think there's a lot of people that ride alone and don't have, I mean, Laura and I are very lucky that we're pretty well matched, you know, speed wise and ability wise that we, we can ride together. But I think there's a lot of people that they, well, they like each other. So that have a partner that, <laughs> what was that? Did you like each other too? And that. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I don't think we would do the same sort of exploration on our own. You know, it's it's really helpful to have a another person when you're doing a new route for the first time, for sure. We've thought about a new section of our of our website being a, a Tinder like profile where you can find your next bike partner. You know. <laughs> That could have some money behind that idea. Yeah. <laughs> and have criteria like, do you like talking while you're riding or no? Do you talk no? I worked at a tech startup. I could see this. <laughs> I know some people. <laughs> Another one that we need to, that we need to add. Yeah. Yes. To add the, the, my brother was like, you, we should develop a Yap app for dogs that are on like gravel roads that are not friendly. Uh, oh, yes. So I was you like, mark. we're dating dogs now? Without using the clutch there. <laughs> like, you... That was a transit, that was a Catherine Taylor transition right there. <laughs> well, in my head, it was not, it was like fully thought out. <laughs> but you know, that's one of the things that for me when I'm, when I'm in a new area and I'm, and I do ride by myself a ton. And I'm always like, I hope there's just no like bad dogs out here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's gonna ruin a ride in a heartbeat. But yeah, that's my biggest fear is like, is a, is a loose dog. Mm-hmm. Whenever there's dog running out, I'm just yelling to us, breathe, breathe, <laughs> just breathe. But you're in Colorado. Do you ever see bears? <laughs> Have you ever seen like a bear? No, no. we've seen a moose yeah. nearby, um, but no bears. Okay. I have some friends that ride in Montana that have talked about bears and their concerns about bears. That's a, that last best ride that just Sarah just launched on Tuesday. You can. Oh yeah. She, she talked about bears. Yeah. You can, you buy, you can actually buy bear spray at checking out for the race. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause they recommend it. You do that race. I'll carry the bear spray and, and we can ride together. <laughs> ride the same speed. I'm more like, I enjoy like a 20 to 30 mile ride where I, you know, where you're talking about like uh, people racing and being very intense. I'm like, I just like going out for my 20 and 30 mile ride, especially in Georgia in the summer, you do more than that. And you're just like spent for the rest of the weekend. Like you have nothing left. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Well, okay. So tell us more specifically, what's the name of the blog and how people, what do they need to know if they're going to send you a route? How do we get more routes on there? We need more routes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so our website is gravelbikeadventures.com. Um, we also have Instagram at the same name at gravelbikeadventures. Um, There's some fantastic photos I might add. Um, uh, yeah, so we have Facebook, Instagram, and our website. Um, and then actually on our website, there's a, it's like a blue button that says, do you want to share a route? And so people can just, it goes to a Google form and people can fill out all the information. And then we will, uh, we are beginning to kind of 
create different states and then routes within those states. And so um, we will probably follow up with you if you uh, do submit a route to get your profile and to learn a little bit more about you so we can kind of, um, we can brag about you and, and all your skills. Um, so yeah, we'd love to have more people kind of um, participating and giving us routes so that we can have more and more women across the country, you know, feeling confident to get out there. Yeah, basically when you submit the route, it um, needs to have some sort of like GPS um, or GPS file um, and then a couple of photos. And then we also ask for your kind of like reading and highs and lows like we um, do for each of our blog posts. Cool. Yeah. I've got all kinds of ideas. So this is like, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. We, we want to like make it bigger. Like we unfortunately have full-time jobs. And so, you know, it's our side hobby right now, but we're all in for like growing it. Cool. I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. I, think we all, I think every guest on this podcast <laughs> is it's like, we all are super passionate about what we're doing, but we also have jobs. So yeah. yeah. And they get in the way. I love yeah. my job with my bosses. <laughs> we love our Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And it's been really fun to get to know you all. And um, I've really enjoyed looking at your website. It's really, really well done. So people definitely need to go check it out. And if you have routes, uh, go ahead and add those. And, you know, I would say don't worry about where it is because somebody's always in our Girls Gone Gravel Facebook group. Somebody's always looking for routes. Yep. So, um, so go ahead, take all those routes over there and add them to that page so everybody can find them. Yeah, no, and I have to thank you for the Girls Gone Gravel Facebook group because we we use it and and to post some of our like stuff and to contact people. We've seen people add routes to that Facebook page and and we've asked them to share their routes with us. So it's it's been a great resource. Awesome. And just to clarify, if anybody's listening and you haven't found the group, it's actually Women Gravel Cyclists. I said it wrong. I'm totally going to come check you guys out next time I'm out that way. So yeah, absolutely. We'd love that. And a ride. Cool. Okay. Well, thanks so much for letting us be part of your podcast. The Girls Gone Gravel podcast is a production of Live Feisty Media. Subscribe, like, and comment on your listening platform. Our producer is Taylor Mayhem Rudolph. You can follow us on all of the socials at Girls Gone Gravel or visit our website at girlsgonegravel.com.